Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. If you coach for eight hours a week, try and invest 25% of that time in self-learning. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, let's welcome back to the podcast. This coach, yes, I've got a very special guest for me. I've got Dean Harding. Dean Harding is currently director of coaching at Wizards FC over in the States. Good afternoon or good morning, whichever it is for you, Dean. <laughs> yeah, How good morning from States, Chicago. Yeah, great. Uh, thank you so much for having me this morning or afternoon, England time. Brilliant. Um, just you know, Dean, you know, just to kind of give the listeners and myself a bit of a backdrop of. Uh, your journey and where you've where you've come from, you know, for those that don't know already, would you mind just going into a bit of detail about where you started your coaching journey? Yeah, so um, I started coaching around about two thousand. Um, part of my old kind of YTS scheme at Southend United was to do the kind of the level one coaching badge, and kind of after completing that, I think you know, like like most people when they start their journey, they kind of take a couple of Sunday league teams. Um, and I just felt like, you know, from the back end of me playing as a kid when I was eight all the way through that, 
you know, that coaching was kind of the next step. I think I wasn't quite good enough to make professional. Um, and that's kind of where my coaching, coaching journey started from there, really, back in 2000. Hmm. So, you know, going from 2000, of course, to 2020, you're now currently working in Chicago as yeah. director of coaching for Wizards. Um, how did that journey progress? You've gone, you've gone and got your level one almost 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, now you've worked in a host of different clubs um, within the Triple Four, and obviously now, t- now taking your yeah, you know, your fly abroad now. But where where have you ended up along the way? Yeah, so uh, you know, as I said back in two th- uh, thousand, I, I took a young team, Sunday League, and just just started applying trades to the coaching. Really, um, it wasn't till about two thousand eleven that I managed to get a part time role at Dagenham Redbridge. I think at the time we were, I think they were League Two, um, and Wayne Bennett just took over. So I managed to kind of get into the kind of professional ranks from there, and then I took kind of like the under twelves upwards, them kind of age groups, and you know that's where the the kind of the the kind of um, professional coaching journey started for me. So so it it took me almost eleven years from starting my journey in two thousand all the way up to 2011 to, to even get, you know, into a professional club. Um, so from there, obviously, after, after Dagen Redbridge, I, I managed to get a, a part-time role at, uh, at West Ham United in about 2012. Um, and then I was approached by, by Arsenal about two years later um, and I left West Ham to join Arsenal uh, where I had... Um, three or four fabulous years at the Arsenal. And it was there really that in the kind of summer breaks, I was working for a company that um, would invite American teams over to kind of go around England and play different professional setups that I come across this team from Chicago. Um, and I took them for a training session. And part of the, the, their kind of journey was they, they got coached by professional coaches in professional clubs and, um, me and the kind of owner of this this current club that I'm at now kind of hit, hit off straight away, and um, you know he kept saying to me, you know, do you fancy coaching in America? And, and I at the time was doing really well at Arsenal, and I never would have considered it. Um, but then as I kind of thought more about it, I, and I thought about you know kind of extending myself and um, and and going, you know doing something so totally out of the blue that I decided to, to move across to Chicago um, and we you know and, and here I'm now kind of three years later mm. you know and obviously along that you know along that way you work with a range of different uh, groups of players and work in various different environments what would you say is some of the biggest things you've taken from of working in the you know the elite game in- yeah I mean you're you know, within the within the the ranks of the, you know working with a professional club, you're working with the best the best kids in the area. You know, certainly when you got to like the likes of West Ham and Arsenal, you know, you're working with the kind of the the best the best kids, and that is always great because these kids already have great knowledge. They've got great technical skill. You know, they 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 understand the game um, to a certain high level. So it's holding yourself accountable to and to your high standards that you've got to keep testing these kids to the to the best they can be. Um, 
So that was always, I wouldn't say a challenge, but as always, that was always very kind of in, in, inviting and, and also it kept on your toes um, to make sure that you was the best person you could be. But alongside that, working alongside, you know, some fabulous coaches, um, I've been very lucky to, to work alongside of like Jan Van Loon, Adam Birchill, who was fantastic, Greg Lincoln, you know, and I was very fortunate to, to work alongside the, the legend uh, Tyrone Ree, who come back to Arsenal to, um, to, I think he was completing his, his pro licence. So, and so to work alongside them kind of coaches who have been in and around that kind of game and were great professionals themselves was also a great learning curve. So there's, there's a massive amount that I took away for myself in terms of learning. Definitely. So just in your current role, then obviously director of coaching over at yep. FC, um, what does that look like on a day to day? And, you know, what kind of, what, what would you say around how much of a part of that plays, not just in player development, but as well as coach development? And would you mind just expanding on that? Yeah. So I've been here for just under three years now with, there's, there's eight coaches here. We've got around about 350 kids in the club, ranging from under sevens all the way up to, to under 19s. Um, it's probably taking me two and a half years to kind of get the club to where I want it now. So when I originally got here, there were some coaches here that, you know, didn't believe in coaches' development. There wasn't a, a philosophy of play. There wasn't a methodology of how we wanted to do things and how the sessions should look. So it's taken me a lot of time up to this point now, really, where I had to kind of change a few things um, obviously I didn't want to come in with a sledgehammer and just destroy everything you know because there was some really good stuff happening but I, I certainly sensed that the, the club needed that kind of sense of direction so I think the first two years is, is really was me kind of coming in and really assessing things you know making a few changes with staff and really suggesting things to the board and the owner about how we can move forward with things. And even simple things like some of the coach, you know, the coaching style, a kind of way of, a way of playing. I, I had some coaches that wanted to go direct. I had some coaches that wanted to play it from the back. And especially in the environment that, that I'm in, we had, obviously we're a very, in terms of Arsenal West Ham, we're, we're a lot lower level club, but here, you know, some of the kids would be exposed to different coaches and different teams. So there's a lot of players here that would be given the opportunity to play up. And I felt it was very important that, you know, if you are going to go from one team to another team, the kind of, there had to be a same coaching style or the same methodology of how you want to play. Because a lot of the times a kid would mm. go up or go up a team and, they'd be used to playing that from the back and then that kind of coach wants to go direct. And there's there's no right or wrong to that. But it just it just felt like it felt like the, the kind of club was on different islands and it was kind of it kind of took me two years to kind of, you know, get ropes around these islands and bring it all together. So that's what the kind of my journey's been up to this point. Um but yeah, I mean it's a very, very different culturally different environment here in terms of the kids, you, you know, I'm coming here and, you know, soccer, I'll say, sorry, football is not the number one sport. It's probably three or four on the list. Mm. You've got, you know, sports like 
American football, basketball, um, baseball's huge here. So you're constantly fighting for the kids' attention to make sure that they're choosing soccer, football over them sports. So it's a real, mm. it's a real kind of different environment here. Uh, but also the culture in terms of the parents here, they're very results orientated over development. So again, over for the last two years, I've been really focusing on educating the parents, and and that's been very, uh, that's been a real challenge for me because previously, in you know at the likes of Dagenham, West Ham, Arsenal, there was there was parent kind of involvement, but nowhere near to the scale here. So again, that's been something that I've had to really kind of focus on over the you know over the past two and a half years. Definitely. You know, you talk there about obviously coming in initially and there being almost a way of doing things and not wanting to go in with a sledgehammer, as you put it. You know, it's very important as you're coming into that new environment, you're not going to make too many radical changes, especially over yeah. a short space of time anyway. What would you say is some of the biggest challenges you faced within that? You know, what, what was the biggest resistance that you felt from, the, uh, I guess, the existing staff in that? Um, well, first of all, they they had an, an impression of me because obviously of my background and, and I think that's always something to be mindful of. They, they kind of have the attitude that I know best and that's not always the point. That's not always the, the, the kind of truth. You know, I still want to learn. I still want to grow as a coach. So if I felt for the first six months, it was kind of me breaking down them bar- barriers um, and kind of getting to know the staff and, and understanding their personalities, you know, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were, what what they need to improve on. Kind of similar how you would deal with a player or a team if you're going to take over, you know, a squad really, whatever that may be. You've got to kind of work out what you're dealing with. Um, but I think, first of all, I think what I learned early was it wasn't necessarily about them. It was more about me in terms of, what environment was I creating? So, you know, simple things like when I got here, no one done session plans. I mean, some of the coaches did, some of the coaches didn't. So straight away, I kind of, rather than come in and say, well, everyone's got to have a session plan, I looked at myself and as a DOC, I've, I had to set my standards high in terms of, well, it's, you know, it needs to start with me. This change has to start with myself in terms of me creating the best environment and then and then letting others follow rather than me pushing. Um, and I felt that was kind of a, a real breaking point to me because then you kind of you, you kind of see who is gonna follow your your kind of remit and your kind of your direction. And then and then from there mm. there was there was great change because they could see the way that you know I wanted to do things and and you could you could sense that the, the change was was going to happen from that point. But as I say, necessarily, it's not about you know me coming in and, and saying, "Well, this is how it's got to be." You know, culturally, we've got a few Mexican coaches in our club, and that's great. Now, Mexican soccer football to to English American soccer football is is totally different. And you know, so also I had to be open to embrace that, embrace that culture, and, and embrace that that way of playing because that's also something that could add to my knowledge, and also 
add to the kids that we're obviously going to recruit. So it's not necessarily just one way. It's having all these different ideas and 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 different philosophies to make the ultimate best way of of playing or or doing things. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of you know yourself now, then you know. Moving into the director of coaching role, is that something that you, you, you know, have always had your eyes set on or is it a case of that's just an opportunity you couldn't turn down? Yeah, a little bit of both, really. I think it was something that I would knew initially I was going to probably struggle at. Um, and if you look at my experience, you know, a lot of my, my roles have been head of, head of team. So I've been very, you know, team, individual development based. I've never really overseen a group of coaches. But I just felt like it was the right time to kind of move on, and especially with the kind of USA market where, you know, as I said, soccer is not the number one sport. It was a good platform to give me that kind of opportunity to put myself in an uncomfortable position and kind of learn from it, really. And, yeah, I've, I've, I've absolutely loved it because the role itself has given me an opportunity to, to teach others to obviously learn from different from different people, from different cultures, you know, and also I've been able to coach as well. So I've had a little bit of the both worlds of coaching and developing individuals in terms of coaching. So I think now, sitting here now and, and kind of looking back, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's definitely a direction that I wanna I wanna take. Um I had an opportunity at the beginning of the year to to be an assistant to a women's professional team um, in New York and kind of got to the last kind of stages of agreeing a contract and then kind of re-looked it again and then kind of said, well, you know, I, I, I really enjoy myself here. That would obviously mean that my family would have to move again to New York. Um, so, I, you know, I felt, I felt like it was, I need to kind of, I haven't come here and completed the projects that I originally come here for. And I know this project that I'm doing now is going to take probably eight, 10, maybe 15 years. Um, so I felt like if I was kind of, I was moving on, even though the, the kind of the professional world, that glamour lights again was kind of shown in front of me that really I hadn't quite completed this project yet that I come across here for. So uh, I decided to stay in Chicago. And I think what I will say as well is, you know, being the DOC, some of the some of the simple things matter, and I mean that, and I mean that in a in a real you know kind of broad manner in terms of we do a lot of um, coaching education um, events. So we we try and do one a month. We meet on every Monday night after training sessions. We try and do a lot of. Co- that's just the coaches, yeah. So we coaches, we once a month have like a kind of in-house training day where we invite a couple of teams in, and that's not necessarily me leading the sessions. That's the coaches leading the sessions, and we kind of give feedback and again just kind of making sure that everyone has a, a voice and you know in terms of they're getting relevant feedback to to either improve or to enhance his skill. Um, but it made me think last week that I was talking we the topic was um, defending for the week. And I said at the beginning of the week about 
um, setting traps and how Arsenal, when I was there at Arsenal, um, we were, you know, we always used to work on setting traps. And it was a simple trap from, you know, um, the other team playing out from the back from the goal kick and we kind of allowed the ball to go to the left back and, and then we kind of set the trap. And it was such an easy concept. But the coaches were so, like, we wow, we want to hear more about this. And, again, that kind of opened my eyes up where something so simple, which probably would you never think of, actually meant a lot to the coaches. They wanted to hear about that. Not necessarily because it was a kind of an, an Arsenal way, but something so simple, like, you know, about setting traps, you know. So, again, it's sometimes simple is is more important rather than, as a DOC, you think that there has to be this really upper knowledge of, like, you've got to provide everything and it has to be kind of Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola kind of high level where something so basic as setting traps really kind of stuck with the coaches more during that kind of our meeting than anything else you said that was probably a bit more advanced. So again, that's, that's something that, um, again, is, is, is important mm-hmm. to, to know. Okay. Hello. So you cut out. Sorry. Sorry. You cut out. Yeah, lost you for two seconds, mate. Um, yes, you know, just kind of build on that. Then, you know, what, what would you say your role has taught you about leading? Hey there, others? hello. Yeah, sorry, cut again. Sorry. Hello. Yeah, no, it's just yeah, just kind of lead on. I think it's definitely just, you know, wondering, listening more. Yeah, what, in terms um, of leadership, I listen to what a lot you, of what have you Simon Sinek. The, the kind of um, his kind of motivational speeches, and he kind of he gave a good one a few years ago about you know CEOs that kind of stand in front of the room and say, "Yeah, you must follow me. This is what you must do. This is how we're going to do it." You know, and you've, you've instantly lost the the kind of room where you know. I think it's. I think if, if you can be the last one to kind of speak and take on the relevant information because ultimately the DOC's role to me is, is knowing and understanding what the certain individuals need to develop and improve. So, but if you're constantly standing in front of the meeting and going, well, this is how we've got to do it, X, Y, Z, then how are you going to ever know that, you know, what an individual coach needs to develop on? So I, I, I spend a lot of time watching and listening um, and I think initially that the kind of one thing I've been working really hard with my coaches is, is, you know, the session could look absolutely fantastic. Um, but if the coaching points or the coaching details, not part of that session, then you're kind of missing the element of coaching individuals. So I would much rather prefer the kind of session to be um, a little bit messy, a little bit, you know, I wouldn't say disorganised, but, you know, not, no, not really your kind of normal session. But if the coaching detail and the coaching points are really good, I would much pref- rather prefer that. 
if you could obviously have the mixture of both, that'd be great. So what I keep saying to my coaches is, it's like, it's like baking a cake. You know, the end product will be the cake itself on the, you know, on the kitchen counter. But really, it's the ingredients inside it that make the cake even better. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that you know, you could have a, a fabulous looking cake on the on the kind of kitchen side, but if if the cake doesn't taste that good, that you know, that's not going to be good for the players. So, again, it's it's always for me um, listening and seeing actually what the coaching points are. And one of the things again that works hard with the coaches is that sometimes one coaching point will be enough throughout the session. Sometimes too, too much is, is, is damaging. So in terms of some coaches may have three or four coaching points. But if you have an, if you have an hour, 90-minute session with these kids, realistically, depending on their age and their ability, you know, how, how, many, how much of that coaching points are you actually going to give enough detail for the kids to understand? You know, you might you might only have one coaching point, and you may spend a, a ninety minutes on that coaching point. But that may be the ninety minutes that that the kids need to really understand that coaching point. So again, it's it for me, it's it's about it's about the principles of you know what are you trying to achieve out of the session. Definitely, and I think you know just touching on that as well, it's important that. Coaches who might be listening to this thinking, right, what, what does it mean? What, how can you focus on one coaching point? And I think the key thing to take away from that yeah. is in the planning of, of your session is that you don't give everything a fixed time. You might want to spend 20 minutes in it, but you might need 30. You might want to spend 30 minutes in it, but you might only end up needing 10. Um, depending on how the players are getting along with it. And I think ultimately, if you, take, if you strip that back and go back to the process in, in, you know, in the build-up to that is, you really need to know where your players are at along their journey. And the more you know about your players, the better it can be for you in terms of identifying what type of practices and how much time they really could or should need. Absolutely. And I think what's also important is don't be scared to, if you if you take your session from you know, session A to, to B and they don't quite get session B, then go back to session A. You know, mm. don't, don't lose the concept. Don't because planning is great, but also be, you know, be, be mindful of being like being adaptable. So again, what I mean by that is, if you if you go from session A and you're playing that from the back, and you're you're working on the number six dropping in to receive the ball, that's great, and they get and they nail that in 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 kind of session A, but then you go to session B and it's a little bit more mm. um, it's a little bit more challenging. Or you set different kind of um, restrictions on the on the game, and then they don't quite get that, and and you feel like, well, you know, don't think you have to stay there. You can come back to session A just again, just to revisit them points, just to really, just to really hammer home that this is what you're lo- looking to get at the session. Coaches think that they've got to go from session A to session B to session C and end up with a game or whatever it may be. But that number six may not get the may not get the picture, so they're walking away from that session, only getting half of the concept of what you originally planned. So again, you you have to understand what the you're trying to achieve. You know what is the purpose of your of your coaching session, and then 
have you achieved it? Have you achieved this, you know, in that session? Um, and don't be scared to go back to that session A just to revisit for us. And you may stay in that session A for then the whole 90 minutes, and that's fine. That's totally fine. If the if the kids, obviously, are getting something from it and you're achieving more at session A than you going from session A up to session D, wherever it may be. Mm. Definitely, and I think, you know, just, again, the key thing for me is the session plan is just a guide and not a, uh, a fixed, it shouldn't be a fixed, structure in terms of what you're delivering i think certainly you know as you put it if it's, if it's not quite working don't be afraid to change it i think a lot of coaches i've you know many many approaches in my time i've seen them go down and they're hoping that things are going to change but as soon as you recognize it right do you get that's your you know that's your opportunity to step in absolutely right absolutely and, and obviously we'll talk a bit more about the kind of the, the coaching philosophy styles but yeah, and, and and maybe you get to session B and it's the right time to go session B and you may have to add something else into it. You know, again, you haven't planned for that. So again, just be open-minded and adaptable that you may have to add, add stuff to certain session planning along the way. And, and again, that's that's fine. I think as, for, as a mm. coach, if you're, if you're adaptable to that open-minded, that's great. Definitely. So, you know, just back to yourself now and your journey. And I'm just curious to know whether, you know, obviously after many years now, you know, you've worked, I'm sure you have got some that you can name. Interested to know whether you've got any mentors or any experiences in particular that you felt that you learned major lessons. Yeah, as I said, I mentioned a few names earlier, but there's a few that definitely come to mind. So I was very fortunate to be coached by Neil Branfield when I played for Arsenal as a kid. Neil was part of the... Uh, the Wenger staff end up being. You know, I was there at Arsenal from under 15, 16s, um, and then Neil became uh, under under Arsene Wenger, part of the first team coaching staff. So I was very lucky to be coached by Neil. Uh, Neil was a very command coach, so this was the kind of standard. He, he definitely let you know about it, and and again that that was great. And as a coach, he was very much like that, and that was great to kind of be be exposed to that. Then you got the other, the other end of the spectrum with with Jan Van Loon, who was very open minded. You know, let the let the, the game be the teacher. Um, quizzed you about, quizzed the kids about um, their, their knowledge and and how they could problem solve and figure out situations. Um, Adam Birchall, as I mentioned before, is currently the Arsenal the Fourteens head coach. Fantastic in terms of understanding individuals and what they needed to improve. Greg Lincoln, I think he's under 18s Arsenal now. Um, he was very, he's a first of all great soccer player. I think he played for Arsenal and went on to play for Northampton. Um, was very good at understanding the tactical of the game. So, again, I think there's four names that definitely come to mind, you know, kind of top top of my list that that different coaches, different coaching styles, but something that as I look back, I took a lot from in terms of how my how to shape my personality. And for anyone that's listening to this, and I think this is really important, is I'm not looking to be 
like a Neil Brownfield or a Jan Van Loom or Adam. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Or Greg, whoever it may be, these are just coaching styles that I can take and learn from to develop my own style. I think a lot of coaches watch these kind of programs with Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, and they're fantastic coaches, not denying that. And, you know, we can learn a great deal from them, but ultimately we want to create our own personality and our own coaching style. So again, I, I don't. You know, I, I, I certainly with the coaches that I'm kind of leading now is I don't want them to be the kind of next Dean Hardings. I'm not asking for that. I want them to be able to, you know, kind of develop their own style and their own personality and that, and not mimic someone else. Because I think that's very important because that's going to, that will shape mm. how you will be as an individual and as a coach moving forward. Definitely. And I think, you know, the underlying thing within that is, if you're trying to be like someone else, you're always going to be playing catch up because you're not because they get they get to that point before you are. So I guess you're always rather than learning about your own journey, your own environment, you're yes. too busy focused on their one. You kind of and the longer you go down that path, you you know the further away you get. And Absolutely. To be yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with that more. So develop definitely developing your own style. And I think one thing I've always kind of did from from when I started coaching in two thousand is. Whenever you're watching a coaching session, and obviously I watched, as I mentioned, Thierry Henry and Ben Bartlett, who's fantastic at Fulham now, great coaches, is always kind of challenge yourself. So watch a session, kind of taking taking the knowledge and taking the learning, but also kind of flip on its head and say, well, what would I do here differently? How would I change that? How would I change that to be a better session? And not I mean better session, but a more challenging session. Or even vice versa, make it more lower session, depending on what kind of kids that you coach at that time. And then really kind of mm. test yourself there and then while you're watching. Say, well, I would change this, I would change that. Because naturally now you're kind of developing your own style around the session that you're watching. Um, listen to the coaching points. I mean, the other a great coach, God, um, God rest his soul, is Dick Bay. And Dick was one of my mentors in my A licence. Yeah. Um, it was always about the, the, the three coaching points. Well, it weren't three coaching points. It was 
kind of three sayings within a coaching point. So if he was working with a centre-back, um, getting on the half turn, he would always say, you've got to watch what's in front, scan what's behind and be ready to go. I mean, there was three coaching points there. So within one kind of main coaching point in terms of being on the half turn. So again, that's valuable mm-hmm. because within that one kind of the, the, the centre-back again on the half turn, there's three valuable kind of technical aspects that he's looking for. Um, and that hits home with the kids because as soon as you kind of say three things, they, they remember them three things. And again, that's if you can take knowledge from, the, from them kind of coaching what you're watching, it's great. Definitely. And I think, you know, it's one of the key things that we should talk about, about you know, different, I guess, mentors in Norway of having different strengths. And I think the key thing for me, you know, anyone looking for a potential mentor or looking to kind of maybe really learn of someone in particular, don't always look for the people that are doing the things that you would like to be doing, but also look at the people that are doing the things that you don't want to be doing. Um, I think quite often we get... Uh, you know, sidetracked into this way of thinking that we need to always look out for those that have almost been successful at what we would like to be successful if that makes sense. Uh, and not really learn from those who have made mistakes. Absolutely. And don't I think want to it's be making, if that makes sense. off the field as well. Um, I think this is one of my strong points is my personality. So sometimes you may have to talk to a kid on the mm. side or when they're walking to the car, you know, just spend that 30 seconds with them because that 30 seconds of non non soccer related time may give you some value information about home life school life you know how their friends are how they are as individual so again you can really assess does this kid need some tlc or does this kid can they be exposed to a little bit more of command coaching because ultimately you're trying to make the kids better and if you can understand them better then that's going to help you with your session planning and how you develop that individual within a team. Mm. Yeah. So kind of just kind of build on obviously yourself, you know, what you've mentioned there about yourself and some of the things you touched on earlier, you, you know, talked about, about coaching philosophies earlier and you know, it's interesting to know maybe what your own coaching philosophy is and what the fundamentals are to that. Yes, I think, I think from a, from a young age, the kids up to under, you know, from babies up to, I mean, I see some kids playing soccer at four now, you know, up to kind of under eights. I think it's all, and I, and I think about my little one who's a uh, first grader, and that'd be no, nothing to you, but she's six. Um, I think it just touches on the ball. It really is, you know, I think it's just getting them used to pl- playing, this, playing the sport, loving the sport from a social aspect, you know, let them play with their friends and just getting that many touches in as, as possible. Um, I, I, I'm, now I'm sitting in my living room and I can, I can see a soccer ball on the floor, you know, because the girls, I've got two daughters, um, one's, one's six, one's ten, you know, just they go around and they kind of halfway through, you know, on the way to the kitchen, they kind of dribble a ball around the kitchen, you know, get them to love the game, um, especially from that kind of, Foundation phase, like ball, ball each, um, no scores, a little bit of understanding around where to be, when to be on the on the field, get them to understand a little bit of directional in terms of this is what you're protecting, 
this is what you're trying to go towards the goal, you know. But ultimately, just tons and tons of touching the ball. And then I would say from like under under 11s, comes a bit more in terms of you know your tech your tactical element in terms of it's in here in in America they they go from four v four seventy seven to ninety nine. Obviously the the field size is really changing them in them dynamics. Um, but but obviously with with the ball mastery you've learnt from foundation phase. Then developing them now. Okay, we we have the ball. What does that look like? And I think that one thing that I see kids struggle a lot is the kind of transitions in terms of having possession. You know, about to lose possession and then lost possession, and then about to win the ball and then winning the ball. Mm. Um, it's the about to the one in the middle that they the kids here struggle with. So again, it's 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 exposing them to them kind of transitions, and how your session design caters for that. And then you're looking at from under 15s, mm. a mixture really of really high level ball mastery skills. Hopefully, from under 11 to 15s, they've learned good knowledge around tactically where to be on the field. They've learned about transitions. Um, and then really just kind of fine tune them from under from the babies up to 15s there's no real sense of where they're going to play in terms of positional so they should be have a lot of exposure to different positions but from under 15s for me you're really starting to kind of I wouldn't say pigeonhole in terms of one position but there's certainly like a top three top three positions top two top three positions where you're going to say, well, this player's going to look like this and this is where they're going to be. So again, now it's really starting to fine-tune that kind of positional sense and that detail. So that is what my own kind of coaching philosophy looks like. And and ultimately, if you can have problem-solving right the way through from foundation all the way up to whenever that may be, 19s, is is absolutely crucial, absolutely crucial, because ultimately, yes, you want to give them guidance during the game, during, during the training session, but if they if kids can problem solve on their own in terms of understanding they're under pressure and they need to release the ball or they're in open space or they're in an underload, overload, how they can solve these kind of problems in the game, I think is absolutely crucial. You know, if you have if you have got a coach on the side that's kind of joysticking and solving the problems for them, then mm. for me, they're very limited in terms of their, their knowledge. But if they can grow that from a an, from an, an young age to under-19s, then I certainly think you, you, you're going to create a player. <clears throat> Definitely. And I think, you know, the key thing, obviously, to touch on is that, that, that individual element and understanding that everyone has their own individual needs within that. You know, and just like, kind of just building on that, you know, not only do players have their own individual needs, we've got them as coaches as well. Um, you know, you've obviously been coaching for the last 20 years now. What's helped keep you motivated and inspired throughout that journey? And how do you, you, know, how do you keep yourself going? You know, you touch there and you've got, those, you've got two kids there and I'm sure they're a massive inspiration to you. But beyond... I guess family, um, unless you you know identify that as being the sole purpose of your you know your inspiration. What are the kind of things that inspire you? Yeah, great question. Um, I think this always comes back to the why. 
why you coach. And certainly a couple of things that the, the why of yeah. why I coach is I see myself as a failed product of the kind of England system and that's no fault of anyone else but myself. Um, as I said, I played for Arsenal as a kid, up to 16s, got released, ended up at Southend United, signed kind of a YTS, first year pro. Mm-hmm. Um, my passion was there to play the, the kind of the uh, football, almost said soccer then. Um, but my kind of mentality, probably, you know, there's a lot of distractions, which is a different story. Um, I think that that's whenever I see a, a good player, or I see, obviously, I see a lot of good players, but I see one individual that really is a standout player for me, like a Maverick player. Um, I always think to myself, I, I've got a lot of knowledge to give here because I'm a failed, I'm a failed kind of um, individual of the system. So that really is is very inspiring to me, and how I can help that individual get to that kind of that top level that I sh- probably should have made but didn't. So that's definitely one. Um, the other inspiration, as I mentioned, I've got I've got two young daughters. Um, the women's game in the, in America is, is huge. And I am all for the women's game. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Um, I I got a, I watch a lot of the kind of England um, women's Super League as well. I think it's I think the game's really growing, and and that inspires me. It inspires me for my own daughters. Um, but also I think that the, the the women's game in this country is great. Could it be better? Absolutely, and and that inspires me to ensure that. I am the best that I can be to make the kind of next USA, the next Carly Lloyd or the next Alex Morgan. You know, so again, there's there's a couple of points there that ins- inspires me, but that's definitely, I would say, the main two. Mm. Again, touching on the fact, you know, you've, you've been coaching for a number of years and obviously you touched there on, you know, almost being a product of, of a poor system in some ways it, you know if you want to put it that way so you've come across many coaches many sessions and I'm sure now you know operating in different countries as well what would you say is some of the the biggest pet hates or bugbears when it comes to coaching for you I think you know those things that you almost look at you think well you know almost you almost want to step in straight away and say something <laughs> or almost make the print some of it in some aspect um, I'm not yeah. Yeah, no, I think, again, it's a great question. I think I'll come back to my original point in terms of what are the coaching points. I've seen some great sessions, but in terms of it looks great to the eye, but then when you actually listen, um, there's not a lot of coaching points going in. It's a lot of what I call reactive coaching. So you're kind of coaching in the moment in terms of joysticking and what's going on rather than maybe looking away from the ball and looking at what else is going on on the field and how you can affect that. I think that's definitely, you know, the kind of one of my big bearers. Um, I always try and make sure that um, there's six points to my kind of, my session design, and that's kind of making sure it's organised in terms of um, I know what I'm doing, I know, and the kids know what they're doing. You know, is is the kind of session... Um, game realistic. Um, 
Next point would be, is, is there repetition? Is there enough opportunity for the kids to have a go at something? So if it is a defending topic, 1v1, is all the kids within your session having a chance at doing that 1v1 defending? You know, just don't really, don't kind of uh, leave one team to attack and the other team to defend constantly. Um, is the, is the, the session challenging enough in terms of are the kids getting challenged? Not so they're drowning, but they're just about swimming above that line. I think that's always a good kind of um, a good barrier to put the kids in. They kind of you know that kind of that, that sweet spot because um, if it's too easy, they're not going to get nothing from it. If it's too hard, they're they're going to they may switch off or, or may give up. So just keeping it right in that sweet spot. Is the kids getting an opportunity to play in different positions? Are they, as I say, are they getting enough um, opportunity to try the skill? And then, as I touched on before, problem solving. So again, there's there's a couple of points there around the kind of bugbear that would get you know kind of a see and go or or change that. I think the last point is for me, and I'm seeing a lot of this in social media, and it's a, and it's a real shame is ladders and parachutes with some of these younger kids. Um, yes, there's a place for ladders. Yes, there's a place for hurdles and parachutes and all this. I I, I agree with it. Um, but I don't think you can call yourself a uh, a football one-on-one um, professional when you spend eighty percent of the time, you know, with the kids doing ladders or parachutes or hurdles. You know, so if you're going to be a football stroke soccer coach, then obviously if you can incorporate a ball as much as possible, I think that's always a a plus. Um, and I'm seeing a lot more of that because obviously the time we live in now with with the with the pandemic, that all of a sudden there's been an, an uprise of of these kind of one on one coaches, which is great, and I'm I'm all for it. But um, certainly, this makes sure that we're we're coaching these kids to to master the ball, manage the ball, problem solving the sessions, not just um, you know if you're putting on a, a, a two minute session that a minute and a half is ladders and the and the and the end thirty seconds a little bit with the ball. So I think there's definitely um, a couple of things there that um, that that annoy me slightly. Definitely, <laughs> um, I, I totally get what you mean. And you know, when it comes to those one-to-one coaches, and you know, like there is a, a massive influx of those coming through now, in particular, especially off the back of this pandemic and whatnot. You know, and I think a lot of parents that might be listening to this or have have access to those sorts of roads really need to question um, and maybe do a bit more due diligence as best as possible to kind of identify whether those coaches are right for their, you know, their young sons and daughters or even older sons and daughters if they've got them. Um, just to kind of build on from that, you know, that's one of the challenges that a parent might face in identifying a suitable coach for their 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 young player. What would be for you now, looking back at your coaching, what would you say is one of the bigger challenges that you've faced and how you know, have you gone about dealing with that? Um, and, it, you know, it could be something you're still currently dealing with and maybe not too sure how to get back. Yeah, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think um, over my time thinking about it is, is, is dealing with, with egos and I definitely won't mention any names, but, um, and breaking down in them egos. When I, when I got to the States, and it's again. I, I won't go into too much detail, but it's a very culturally very very different here. It, it's more of a bis, business aspect, you know, because a a child here to sign a child, it is very expensive to play soccer, and that's a, again that's a different conversation. Um, so each club in the area is 
is on its own separate island. And some of the coaches from other clubs just ignored me, totally ignored me, didn't even look at me. Obviously knew who I was, obviously, and, and, and knew what my kind of coaching experience would be, but they 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 kind of ignored me. Now, they may have ignored me for many reasons. One, because I may have worked for Arsenal, West Ham, I'm not sure. But um, I, I think that's definitely one thing that the biggest challenge I have is, is breaking down egos. And, and especially when, you know, you, I've, whenever you come here and some of the coaches were that I worked alongside that were very like, oh, you know, I'm not too sure about Dean. What's he here for? What's his intention? So I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges is is, is breaking down the barriers, breaking down the egos and and how you go about that, you know, really investing time into to individuals. I've managed now to speak to some of the clubs, um, but it's been it's been hard work because ultimately, you know, collectively take away the business aspect and how much these clubs earn and, you know, it is quite a big money. You ultimately, your purpose, all the clubs in this area should be is to produce that next player, you know, male or female for the US national squad. And if we can help each other to, to, to do that, that's great. You know, and that this, this, this player may not even be in my club, but if, if I can work alongside or speak to this coach once a month and, have a few coffees with them and suggest stuff, and I can help that coach, help that player. But then, great. I don't need. I don't need any thanks for that. I just. I'm just happy to pass them some knowledge and and help that coach or that individual get to that point. You know. So again, I think that's been over my how many years I've been coaching for now. That's been my kind of biggest challenge. Um, my current, my biggest, my current biggest challenge is I would say mm. probably the the parent education. Uh, getting away from this kind of um, results over develop, development and switching it um, because parents do play a premium here to play soccer and they think that by winning every game is them their kids developing um, that, and that's not necessarily the case. So again, we've really tried to work alongside the parents and you, you're not going to keep every parent happy. You, you you are going to hit, you know, hit some resistance on that. But again, as long as your your purpose and your thought process is coming from a very good place, and it's it's what you believe in, then ultimately, I think you know you you're in a you're in a pretty strong position. So, I definitely there's definitely two things that um, I've faced that have been challenging previously and more currently. Definitely. I think just lead on that last there with the parents. I think it's important for them to understand that the results are not the end. You know, they're really the be all and at the end of the day. Youth, an athlete talent development in, its, in itself is a, it's much more about the individual. So, yeah, you could win all the games that you want. You know, I'm sure there's many, there's many situa- situations out there where you've had a young team that have absolutely dominated. But when it comes to the, you know, the end game and actually how many of those end up becoming professional footballers. Sometimes it's not always the case, and I'm talking about academies, uh, even within the academies, you know. And then you've got other sides that have maybe not been as successful as, as I guess, groups in that respect, but end up pushing through a lot of individuals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the listen, game. the result. Of course, people want to win. I want to win every game. I mean, I'm not saying that results is not important. It's 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 very important, and that builds a character in an individual. But if yeah, I was to say to someone, "Well, I won the game two one today," what does that tell you? Um, 
it said it says that I won the game, um, but it doesn't tell me that I, I my team counter attacked two times, score, but the other team had ninety percent of possession and they hit the crossbar six times. You know, so again, it's 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 that fine balance, right? You know, we want, of course, we want to win the game, and our and our kind of uh, false fault is to 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 win the game because you need to be competitive, but ultimately. It's 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 development comes first. It needs to. So, again, that's that again. That's been a real challenge for me and in my current kind of role. You know, just and just moving forward now. And obviously, coming back to yourself now, your career, your journey. Hopefully, you've got many more years left in you. But you know, if I could take you back to the start of your coaching journey, knowing what you know now, um, you want to, you want I think it's um, looking back is probably my way is not always the correct way. If I'm honest, um, seeing the bigger picture, I always I try and invest in myself now. So in terms of if you coach for eight hours a week, try and invest twenty five percent that time in self learning. So if it's if it's eight hours, you're investing two hours a week, and I know so two hours sounds a lot, but if you was to break that down daily, you know, twenty minutes, half hour a day, just really, and again, self self evaluating in terms of what do you need to improve on, and that may not even be as as a, a soccer kind of topic. That may be, you know, a degree or some kind of other learning in psychology, you know, in anything physical, you know, uh, sports science could be anything really. So I think that's definitely that if I was to turn back time, I would definitely tell myself. Um, I think also just being comfortable with making mistakes. I think I, I always try to put on that perfect session as I've, and I, as I keep pointing out and in, in this, in this conversation is, you know, learning by mistakes, happy to make some mistakes, you know, being accountable for the mistakes and really spending more time on self-reflecting. I think that's definitely um, a couple of points there that I would definitely um, would definitely tell myself if I was to go back. Mm, you know, and kind of bring it back to where we are now, then, you know, back in 2020, director of coaching at Wizards, and it's still relatively new to the role and whatnot. But where do you see yourself going next with your coaching journey? What are your, you know, any ambitions for the future? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm really happy. As I said, I've had, I was lucky, and very fortunate to have a potential um, opportunity to be number two a women's um, professional uh, club in New York. Um, I'm really happy with with my role at the moment. As I say, it's it's been a challenging two and a half years, but I'm really starting to see the light at the, at the end of the tunnel now in terms of where the club is at, where, where it's moving to. The club have just secured a new venue, so we're going to have a brand new complex in the next year. Um, we are hoping to push to this new um, Major League Soccer League within the, kind of, in the new youth uh, MLS league they're setting up. You know, I, think we're, I think we're a long way from that, but I think there's, we're definitely making steps towards that. So my honest answer is I... I I haven't got a an answer yet. I would definitely work in along. I've had interest from US Soccer regarding doing some coaching education. That really, you know, that that really entertains me. I think that would be that big. That'd be great. Um, 
but at the moment, the honest answer is I, I'm happy in my in my new in my new role, my current role. And um, as I say, it's a project; it's a long term project. And um, uh, hopefully, you know, can can in the next five to seven years really see the benefits of what we're trying to work on now. Oh, no, then, you know, just curious, when you do find what would you want your legacy to be? Um, I just want to be that all-round kind of individual that helped someone be the best they would be. You know, and I don't mean that on the field. I mean, off the field as, as well. You know, I'm very, I'm kind of very um, family-based um, individual. I've... You know, I'm always harping on to the kids about making sure they're a family. So, and I, I want nothing more than, you know, some of these kids to be playing professional one day or playing for the national team and and just, you know, buy me, buy me a ticket for the stand and I'll be more than happy to sit there and watch it. So, I think it's just really just that all-round individual that um, helps someone to be the best they can be on and off the field. I think that would be, if that's one legacy, I would think I would like to leave it with that. If you had 60 seconds now to kind of wrap up one golden nugget for our listeners, what would that be? And applying their own journeys, what would that be for you? Yeah, so for me, it's investing in your learning. Um, spend 25% of your coaching, whatever coaching time you do, spend 25%, 25% of that learning. Um, make your session your own. Um, don't mimic anyone else. Try and, try and watch the session and try and how you would change that into your own in terms of making it more challenging or less challenging. Um, and then also be accountable. Be accountable for everything you do in terms of your actions, in terms of um, how you how you behave, how you act, and um, how you coach these kids. I think there's there's three different there's three points there of definitely uh, gold nuggets. Brilliant. Um, just on a final one, then, Dean. You know, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you off the back of this, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, Dean Harding. I'm on um, Instagram. Um, just double check that now. I'm also on Twitter, which is um, Dean Hard at Dean Harding eighty two, and I believe that's the same for Instagram as well. So yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, I'm. I'm very approachable. Please, by all means, reach out to me and um, I will definitely get back to you. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.